Welcome to Hey Girls, the podcast. We use the space to share women's experiences and women's perspectives on human rights and international justice in a way that will hopefully trigger your mind. Ours is a bi-weekly podcast of interviews and conversations. My name is Evelyn Ama Ankuma, your host. My guest today is Alex Vuleman, Executive Director of the Women's Initiatives for Gender Justice, a key member among the next generation of feminist leaders. Alex is dedicated to fostering greater inclusivity and equity in society. And she is practicing what she preaches by developing inclusive partnerships for her organization. I am delighted to be speaking with Alex on gender definitions. What does that even mean? Gender definitions. Alex, as we say in my native language, Akwaba, welcome. Evelyn, thank you very much to respond in my native language. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> it's a great honor to be here. Thank you so much for doing this, Alex. Our conversation today is about explaining, clarifying, and describing different gender and gender-related words and phrases. Why is this important, Alex? It is very important to understand what we talk about. And this is the reason why it's of such importance to me and to my organization. We are seeing over the last years, decades, a great advance of understanding that gender and gender-related issues need to be at the very heart of all we do when we work towards justice. However, what I'm noticing at the same time is that the great new ways of understanding the many aspects of gender, of gender identity, is also giving rise to a lot of questions by many actors who do understand that gender needs to be taken into account, but have maybe a little bit of resistance because they're unsure what we're talking about exactly. They are a bit maybe even sometimes afraid to ask. And I see that as a potential, or I see that even being a barrier for many actors to really get involved in this field, to really get involved in advancing together gender justice. And so this is, if you will, one of the main reasons why I think it's very important to address this issue, but there are many, many others that I'm really keen to explore with you. There's a whole list of terminologies and phrases. It's, we can't keep up, but we must try to learn as much as possible. Yes. This was also the case with respect to racial terminologies. I remember when I first went to America to study there, I was 20, mm-hmm. and all these terminologies. Could you say Afro-American or Italian-American mm-hmm. or African-American? Mm-hmm. But not just that. I have a, an example which is not about race or gender. I was sitting in the school cafeteria and this nice girl walks up to me, blonde hair, and she said, hi, my name is Jill and I am Jewish. 
and I didn't know. I thought, oh, I said, hi, my name is Evelyn, and I'm a Christian. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> people laugh when they hear this story, but I didn't understand. I didn't know. Was I supposed to say, oh, hi? Was I supposed to say, hi, my name is Evelyn, and I am Black or uh-huh. African? I mean, she could see, you know, uh-huh. like... <laughs> It's, it's it's such a good example, though, and also uh, thank you for, for, for indeed uh, raising the race issue, because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is respect people, respect people, how they identify themselves. And this is the example that you just gave about Jill in the cafeteria. If it is important for her to assert that identity, then we have to uh, respect and understand that, particularly because when we are talking about all of these factors, we are talking about vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities in society that people, um, that on the basis of which people are faced with discrimination, or much worse when we look at uh, our ICL field, where we're talking about uh, mass atrocity crimes. So let's talk about that. How does one know that language is respectful? and not harmful? Well, that's a very good question because that's um, exactly what we need to be very mindful of. Listen, at the very basis, what is very important for me to, to, to bring out there and for you as well is just get informed. It's okay to know, to not know. It's okay to understand that you need maybe a bit of guidance. Uh, maybe just Google uh, the terms that you come across. Uh, And I say that particularly to sort of fellow practitioners, fellow people in our field who, you know, uh, come across these terms and are quite unsure what they are, what they mean. Um, And what I'd like to say is like have a bit of an open mind because oftentimes there is this, again, reticence to really understand of feeling over of being overwhelmed with all this terminology and it changes and I'm not sure what it means and is it really necessary? Well, have a bit of an open mind and go online, just Google and uh, make sure that you understand what the terminology is. That's a very first step, an important step to then make sure that the terminology that you use, you understand and works toward it not being harmful. Second point, that I want to make in terms of making sure that terminology is not harmful is speak to people who it concerns. If you come across somebody and they express their identity in a certain way, see or try to understand why that is. Try to understand the context, try to understand the background to make sure that you're not being harmful. I'm speaking very much on the sort of interpersonal level here, as you can tell. Um, But there's also, of course, your questions are so very relevant in the context of policy development, in the context of law, legislation, the implementation of legislation, the implementation of policy, particularly in the ICL field. But let's see if uh, if we get there. So first, let's start with gender. Mm -hmm. Is there a universally accepted definition? No, there isn't, but almost or very close to gender. And the reason that I say that so categorically is that all of these um, definitions, again, are in 
uh, evolution, if you will, all language around uh, gender equity, diversity, inclusion evolves, and that's a very good thing. It evolves quite fast, but it's okay. We can keep up. Um, with regards to gender, though, there are, of course, if you look at, again, the field of international criminal law, uh, definitions that we use in the application of these laws. So let me go into that. Um, gender refers to characteristics of people, characteristics that bring people into the sphere of gender being a woman or a man, a girl or a boy, or something in between or something outside or someone outside of that sort of binary concept. This is completely socially constructed. And so what I mean by that in trying to explain it, it refers to norms, so rules, spoken or outspoken rules, uh, behaviors, expectations of roles associated with being a woman or a man or a girl or a boy, um, as well as in the relationships that we have with one another. As you can tell, because uh, it's socially constructed, gender can vary very much from one society to another society to another society, and it can very much change over time what we've seen uh, over the last, let's say, 100 years. So that is a basis of a good definition of gender. Is it acceptable for gender to be socially constructed? Gender is socially constructed. Yes, very much so. But is it acceptable? Should we rather not have a universally accepted definition so that we don't leave it to various communities to interpret gender in whatever way that suits them? Uh, that's a very good question that you ask, because what you're unearthing there is the difference that certain societies may impose on certain people based on gender. Um, the definition of gender, though, should be left, I would suggest, to societies, if you will, because it is socially constructed and we all have different societies and different cultures. And it is very important to understand the gender definitions of certain societies, because again, those are very much at the basis of vulnerabilities that lead them to discrimination and that leads to harm and that leads to violence. I guess I'm thinking about all these movements going on, these uh, laws that are being passed, mm -hmm. exclude and discriminate against various groups. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what is going to happen if we just leave it to society? or communities to do as they please without following certain norms, standards, certain progressive developments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see what you mean. But it's it's not really up to societies to, to do whatever they want. It's really about respecting individuals, uh, respecting the individual identities, respecting the individual diversity that we see in our societies. And if you take that from as the basis, if you will, you then need to go again into the different cultures to understand uh, what the effect is to that. Let me bring into this conversation perhaps some more definitions that might sort of assist perhaps in our, in our discussion. Um, there is the definition of gender, but there's also a definition of sex. That was, and, my, that was going to be my next one. <laughs> yes, and sex refers to 
biology. It's the different biology, um, biological and physiological characteristics of humans. So characteristics can be of females, of males, of intersex people. Let me go back to biology. Most of us are born with one particular sex, and that is determined by our reproductive organs, our genitals, our hormones, and our chromosomes. That puts you in the category of usually men, biological men, biological female. However, what is more and more understood now, thankfully, thanks to science, is that there are many people up to the estimates are one to 1.7% of the world's population that are intersex. And so seeing, and we can go into that as well, seeing people strictly only as men or as women based on their biological composition doesn't reflect who people can be. Now, that is sex. Then you have gender. And gender, we can look at gender identity and then gender expression. This whole issue about leaving it up to society, society construct. Whatever society or a community or a country says, well, this is not our culture. One, mm-hmm. one country may say, okay, well, yeah, you know, intersex. Um, yeah, you can, you can have, you know, some form of surgery, if you will. Another, mm-hmm. you will say, you know, these, you know, like the, in a very positive sense, they might say, well, you know, maybe you know, we can counsel them. Maybe they can get counsel. Yeah. So those are some of the issues that arise when you yes. say it has to be society. So if, and, you know, in many African countries, they are saying, look, this is not our culture. Mm-hmm. LGBTQI is not our mm-hmm, culture. Mm-hmm. That the, it's just things that are developing in the West. That's what they keep saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to do as they please. And so if we keep saying every society has to do, you know, students, we come with a certain understanding i mean that is why we do international justice yes do human rights absolutely so it's um let me see how to phrase this it's not society who it's not up to society to choose what gender should be it's society who imposes on individuals what's what gender is and that's exactly what you're saying if society, and in many cases, that's uh, many societies, if not all societies, that's the case, there's an imposition to say that sexual orientation is a choice when we know it's not. Um, when society indicates. What about, what about those who say, and even if it's a choice, so what? Yeah, but then you get into, indeed into the realm of harm, the realm of society the constructs, the the rules, the norms being harmful on individuals. Um, Let me take this to the realm of uh, race, perhaps, if I may. Uh, And perhaps the comparison there is easier to make. If you say that um, as a society, you will view people from different races in a different manner and saying like, well, you're a lesser being than I am because of the racial differences between us, it's very comparable to saying pose a difference on you because I will 
see you as a lesser person because you have a different gender identity or you express your gender differently or your sexual orientation is different. And why I'm making that comparison is because, again, gender identity is not a choice. Sexual orientation is not a lifestyle. And these are perhaps indeed developments well, now seeing in the West, which is culturally and historically, by the way, completely untrue, because it's the West actually uh, in the colonial times that really pressured a lot of um, their colonies into using the binary system to to impose the difference. But please, let's 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 uh, let, let me ask you for your for your reflection. Okay, so when people in Africa, when Africans hear your fellow Africans saying, ah, but this is a Western thing, it's not. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I, I don't think that they also wanted to discuss these issues so much in the West. On the basis of Christianity, they were using all sorts of things. But mm -hmm. it was freedom of expression, freedom yeah. of assembly. In some of some countries, sadly, some African countries, they don't even want people to discuss it. Yeah. So sometimes you, you have to explain. You do. So, there are so many fascinating terminologies. What about intersectionality? Ha, that's a very good point. Um, intersectionality. Shall I just give my sort of view on what the um what intersectionality is or can be? Well, my view is based on uh, a pioneering scholar, a black feminist, uh, Professor Kimberly Crenshaw, who in the late 80s already uh, used and coined this term to denote the very complex ways that aspects of somebody's identity. So we talked about race, we talk about gender, but there's also ethnicity, there's ability, physical ability, sexual orientation, uh, origin, religion, all these facets that make us our identity, who we are, how they intersect and how they overlap with one another, which is extremely important when recognizing, again, the certain vulnerabilities or the certain identities that marginalize individuals in their society or entire groups even. So when you look at intersectionality, you look at how these different facets of somebody's identity overlap and how they must be addressed to address the harms done to them based on that difference. Right. I mean, we've had this conversation in our yes. gender-sensitive judging series. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lady who says, you know, when she's in court, she has to wear very high heels so that she can be seen. Mm -hmm. It's because she's not tall. Yes. Okay. Yes. Feminism. Yes. Feminism. Indeed, high heels is a feminist issue. <laughs> so I like your segue. <laughs> okay, so define feminism. <laughs> yes, the F word, um, feminism. <laughs> and I say that jokingly, of course, because there is, again, a bit of that sense of feminism, uh, particularly sometimes here in the in Western Europe. Um, I hear like, oh, haven't, haven't, we, haven't we done that? Aren't we good? No, we're not. Feminism is a movement. To me, feminism is movement um, to put an end to sexism, to exploitation, to work towards gender justice and full gender equality. It's something that will benefit and benefits already not only women and girls, but also men and boys and everybody else 
uh, on the on the gender spectrum. Um, it's really about advocating for um, equality of all people. Okay, patriarchy. Patriarchy, yes. Um, the system, the cultural system in which we all still operate. Uh, unfortunately, because it is harmful to both women and men and anyone else uh, that doesn't identify with the uh, binary system. Patriarchy is the system in which men as a group are constructed as superior to women as a group and have authority over them. So that's the very basic definition of patriarchy. Feminist solidarity. Can feminist solidarity be used to address or to challenge patriarchy? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely absolutely it is it is it is very much a movement it is the solidarity among feminists and i don't want to say only women because it goes beyond feminism goes beyond uh women coming together of course that's the main constituency uh if you will of the movement but still feminism will benefit and does benefit everyone a feminist solidarity is making sure that when you do see um inequality when you do see harm that you help one another address that but also again i'm talking about interpersonal relationship and and um here but it is also very much in policy it is also very much in legislation uh where that solidarity is needed uh among feminist leaders among people of influence that have the power that have gender power to bring these issues forward, but also almost at a state level, I want to say. Um, there can be feminist solidarity as well. And I see that with countries uh, developing feminist foreign policies and trying to influence one another to actually implement those, to develop those, to understand those, etc. Okay. Gender equality. Gender equality, yes, that's at the very, uh, very center of our uh, discussion. Gender equality is a fundamental human right. It's not a concept, it's not a sociological discussion, it's not academic. Gender equality is a fundamental human right. And it is when all people of all genders have equal rights, equal responsibilities, and equal opportunity. Gender diversity. Gender diversity, um, that is an interesting concept because uh, not a concept, but a, a terminology to go into. And the reason that I say that is that, again, these terminologies fluctuate and depend on the context in which you use them. Gender diversity can be, on the one hand, in my perception of things, an umbrella term that can be used to describe gender identities that demonstrate a diversity of expression, if you will, beyond the binary framework. So beyond the framework of there are only men and there are only women. Um, for many diverse people, the concept of that binary, if you will, having to choose whether you fit into one box or in the other box is very constraining. So gender diversity can um, be used to describe that. But I see also very much also in our field, gender diversity being used in policy, in legislation or in other efforts uh, being used to indicate that there is a need to ensure more or better and equal representation of gender. For example, on the judicial bench or within the composition of an organization. Gender inclusion. Gender inclusion. Oh, that is a very good one as well. Uh, thank you for raising it. Gender inclusion means that you 
include, again in the context that you operate in, a gender-sensitive approach, a gendered understanding to whatever it is that you're doing, and make sure that uh, that perception is grounded in good understanding and used throughout. So gender diversity and gender inclusion are complementary. Yes, they are. Very much so. Many of these terms overlap. Many, many of these terms overlap. What it is all about is having an approach to the work that you do. And again, I keep that a bit vague because some of us are NGO activists, some of us are practitioners, some of us are judges, some of us are, you know, everybody has in their own sphere of influence some power to understand how gender affects what we do, what we try to achieve, and work towards gender justice. AFLA has a gender-sensitive judging program for judges of international courts and tribunals addressing these issues. The reports are available on AFLA's website, africalegalaid.com. Gender expression. Ah, gender expression. Now that is a very good term to look at. Gender expression is related to gender identity, is related to gender, is related to sex. So gender expression is how a person publicly expresses or presents their gender. So this can include behavior, this can be include appearance, such as how you look, your body language, the, the, the voice that you have or that you use, it's your chosen pronoun, it's your name, for example, that's all ways to express your gender. Sexual orientation. Sexual orientation, now that goes into the sort of interpersonal relationships between people where gender identity and gender expression are about oneself, how oneself perceives the own self. Uh, sexual orientation goes to uh, the, the person or people or group of people that you're attracted to, that you feel drawn to romantically, emotionally, sexually. Intersex. Intersex. Intersex is an umbrella term. Uh, we used it before in our conversation already to describe and describe a wide range of natural bodily variation in sex char uh, characteristics. So again, we're back to biology. Um, intersex people are born with sex characteristics characteristic, which include genitals, again, hormones, chromosome patterns that do not fit a very typical notion of a, man a male body or a female body. Non-binary. Non-binary. Um, again, a term that overlaps many of the other terms that we used before. Uh, so many people, including a lot of transgender people, uh, will identify themselves as being either male or female or express themselves as such. However, some people don't fit, fit very neatly in one of the two categories. Again, being a man or a woman or male or female. Uh, some people have a gender identity or gender expression that blends elements of the two. And so that sort of binary system is felt as being constraining. Some people also don't identify with any gender, and this can all change over time. And again, understanding that really brings us to the core of making sure that we can respect people for who they are, but also recognize the harms that can be done to people.
These two have been addressed in Affle's gender-sensitive judging series. Again, the reports can be found on our website, africalegalaid.com. Equity? Equity. Equity is interesting because when you achieve gender equality, you work towards, again, having equal rights and opportunities. And gender equity is one of the pathways to gender equality. Now, with gender equity, you recognize that people um, are not in the same starting position, if you will, particularly women or gender diverse people might not be in the same position as men. Usually they are not because of historical disadvantages, because of social disadvantages. And so it's a way of achieving parity in, for example, not only sort of our day to day, but also in policy, in process, in legislation, um, to make sure that underrepresented people, and usually women or gender diverse people, marginalized people or in groups are treated slightly differently to make sure that they rise to the same level of, of opportunity. Tokenism. Tokenism. Tokenism is something that we see um, regularly, unfortunately, still. It's the practice of only making a sort of symbolic effort to do something to work towards gender equity or gender equality. Um, for example, making sure that you recruit somebody from an underrepresented group so that you can say, you know what, I tick the box, I'm good on um, gender representation in my uh, in my office or in my team. Uh, it's when you're on a panel uh, saying, okay, I have somebody with a different racial background uh, and so I'm good, I tick the box. That is what tokenism is. It is ticking the box without looking into how can I really fully intelligently integrate um, diversity within my realm of influence. And what about those who say it doesn't matter what the motive is, so long as the person is at the table? Yes, but, well, you know, it's um, that's, the, that's, that's a good question. The person needs to be at the table. Absolutely. And you need to make room for a person to be at the table. So it's a very good start. It's a very good start. How they use that stage. Yes, exactly. It is. But why tokenism as a term is important to use and to understand also for ourselves and to be a little bit critical with oneself is to make sure that it goes beyond that. That you don't think I have a woman at the table, so I'm good on gender. Because it doesn't work like that. These these issues, and that's the very reason why we're discussing them now, are complex. And you need to really put your mind into it. You really need to train yourself to understand how it all works to towards discrimination, towards vulnerability, towards, again, then addressing that and what your role can be in that. And so just putting a woman at the table is not enough. Does it depend on the position? So you appoint the first female chief justice. Could that be tokenism? No, I don't think that's uh, the way to use the term tokenism. Absolutely. Because because of the high position? No, because... Um, no, because it's uh, uh, not because of the high position, because that is something that I would describe as being groundbreaking. Uh, that is something that I would describe as being a, a first and a pathway to gender inclusion. Tokenism is something else. It's it's putting an effort in, 
but only in a symbolic or perfunctory even manner. So, yeah. so what if in a given country they decide to appoint a certain person as first female chief justice? It's, it's groundbreaking. But then they always go to the men or they just do what the men tells them to do. Well, then it is you are talking about uh, tokenism. Also, when the first female uh, chief justice then leaves her position, is she replaced by a man? And are you back with an entire male bench? That is also a very good way of looking at these developments being as a development of really integrated gender mainstreaming, gender justice, or was it really a little bit more of making space for a very qualified woman to become chief justice, but was there a part of tokenism there as well? Um, and you see that with many other efforts to have more gender um, diversity on a bench, because we're talking about judges here. Um, if that effort has been made and there is a measure of sort of equality uh, on the bench, but all the women leave because their terms are up and are replaced by men, then we haven't really achieved. They can also be replaced by other women, but if it doesn't change anything, we're having some of the same conversations that we had, yes, you know, many, many years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. So women have come to the table. Women are holding all these high positions. You also see it even in international uh, criminal justice, mm -hmm. that have gender parity, but not necessarily gender consciousness. Absolutely. Or gender power. Maybe we should coin that, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, um, exactly. gender power. Where is where is the power in this? Uh, there is representation. And that's the thing. Like, of course, that's a good advance. Of course it is. And it has many benefits to have like the first female chief justice um, on the bench because of the representation, because of the voice that it brings, because of the example that it brings. It is. But what about gender power then? Um, does that person then have the power, the room to influence, to work towards that gender mainstreaming? And well, another question is as well, why should it be only up to her uh, to make, uh, to, you know, pave the way or to make the difference? But yeah, at least, you know, it's representative. It's at least it's representative. About representation. Yes, exactly. But, you know, uh, that's why it is important to have these terms, tokenism, and to be very critical about that, because that's the thing. Although there have been a number of great advances at the international level, at the national level, uh, UN Women does a calculation very regularly um, to see in the amount of years that we have ahead of us in the future, it is going to take to achieve full gender equality, which is one of the sustainable development goals, uh, full gender equality. And um, don't quote me on this because I don't remember the exact term, but we're like a few hundred years out globally before we are going to achieve gender equality. So on the one hand, yes, let's celebrate the great advances made. On the other hand, let's be extremely careful because we're seeing in so many national contexts and international contexts that all those advances can be rolled back in the blink of an eye. And at the same time, recognize that we still have a, a very, 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 very long way to go. I was going to say, I know you already defined this, but so said, well, what does gender equality even mean? We achieve gender equality. What does that mean? It will mean that all people are equal, that all people have the same opportunities. All people can enjoy 
their rights and all people are free from harm and violence. That is what gender equality is to me. And I say all people and I don't say women and men and people with different uh, identities because gender equality will mean also that all intersectional harms will be addressed. That is what gender equality means to me. So but tell mean, me, what 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 does it mean to you? How would you define well, or dream about gender equality? Having the right, the opportunities, having power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> gender equality for me means power, not tokenism. Mm -hmm. Yes, I welcome to be at the table, whatever the motives may be. But then if once I'm there, I start doing things that was not expected of me. Yes. I don't want to be harassed. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's you have that with gender, you have it with race. You have Absolutely. It with yeah. Absolutely. You have that very much. And that's that's the exact, and I love the way that you illustrate that, because if you have a place at the table, your place should be a real one, regardless exactly. of what you say, without the expectations that you will still behave in a way that matches your identity or matches certain uh, expectations that are laid upon you. No. That would be tokenism. But if you mistakenly think you're going to be picking somebody as a token and the person gets there and... Yes. So, they're not a token at all. Exactly. And sometimes seen many of these things happen. Oh. This woman, oh, wow, we're great. We've got a woman. Oh, great. We've got an African. Absolutely. Nothing changes. <laughs> and then nothing changes. No, absolutely. And that is why we so need the courage of activists, including like yourself, to still go after being given a place at the table and then raising your voice, using your power, full well knowing that you will get backlash because of it, but still forging ahead. But usually people are careful who to bring to the table. Yes, they are. <laughs> double standards. Ah, double standards. Oh, there's so many. Um, there's so many ways to define double standards. At the moment, very much in the international justice field, double standards, when you raise that, you usually mean the response to conflicts by the international community at large, can go into those definitions as well, but the response, the different response of the international community to different conflicts. Let me give a very clear example. The response of the international community to the conflict in Ukraine was immediate, extremely strong, with a lot of response politically, with a lot of response um, practically speaking, financially, and that response is not something that we have seen to the same level in other conflicts. So that is, at the moment, if you will, what double standards in our ICL field uh, relates to. But double standards can also be uh, a term that you use to describe standards uh, that are being held uh, to, to people with different gender identities. Double standards. Now, double standards is used is being used a lot in the context of Ukraine, in mm -hmm. the context of international justice. But I think it's always been there. It's also in the context of gender, really. Absolutely. Uh, some defense lawyers, female lawyers have told me it's okay for men to scream and shout. In yes. And in any case, you know, maybe the women don't even have as deep, you know, their voices are not as deep. One uh, defense lawyer told me she'll never win a screaming match 
And it's okay for men to do certain things, but not so not yeah. okay for women to do it. Yeah, it's for okay sure. For certain groups, racial groups to do certain things, but not yes. And the expectations, absolutely. Yeah. Double standards can be used in that context for any type of discrimination. Basis of race, of gender, of identity, of religion, you name it. They expect African women to be working on international justice, to be at the grassroots. Yes. And occasionally be given access to come. And to be grateful yeah, for know. the tokenism. You shouldn't be there all the time. It shouldn't be a, a very natural thing for you to be there. Yeah. It should be. Um, it should be. Very and much. That, that is why I just love the way the work that you're doing. And you guys are so inclusive. And I'm looking forward to seeing you becoming even so inclusive. Yes. We are very, very proud to 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 build on the fantastic work of so many feminists leaders um, who formed the Women's Caucus during the Rome Statute uh, negotiations um, and building on that legacy, uh, understanding very much also the emergent understandings, practices, definitions that are really pushing all of us to be really thoughtful and inclusive indeed. And we at the Women's Initiatives try to do that. We have a lot to learn as well. We're not there yet, um, but hopefully in being quite frank and open and transparent about that, we can open the way a little bit for others to say like, okay, you know what? I'm not sure about this either. I need to learn. I need to Google certain terms. I need to talk to people to understand it a little bit better. And so if we can all be a little bit more, I guess, honest, if not modest about our understandings, uh, there's a good chance that we can really make a change. That's very well said. But where are we going with all these progressive terminologies and expressions? Where will it take us? It will take us to a place where we have much more understanding and respect for people. Um, that's at the basis. Again, I can talk about better policies, um, better rights, laws that are not harmful uh, that we're seeing emerging now as well. But on the individual, personal level, let's really try to use these definitions to understand that human beings come in various, with various identities, that it's not necessarily a choice of people, that this is the way that we're built, the way that we're human, and have respect. That would be a very, very good starting point to use all of these definitions and terminologies. They should take us to a place called justice. Yes. Thank you, Evelyn. Justice will take us to equality. Exactly. Thank you so much, Alex. Well, thank you, Evelyn. It's you such an honor you. to be part of this. Thank you. Thankful to you for doing this. And to our audience, thank you so much for tuning in. We will continue to bring you women's perspectives and women's experiences on our journey to a destination called justice. Hague Girls, the podcast, triggering your mind. <laughs>